I'm author and critic David Agronoff. I'm a horror and science fiction author, critic, and researcher. In this podcast, I wanted to provide in-depth interviews and panel discussions with everyone from New York Times bestselling authors to researchers, musicians, and anyone I find interesting. Welcome to Postcards from a Dying World. Theodore C. Van Ouse Jr. He's a professor up at Portland State. Which is awesome, and we love to hear it. So tonight, because I would have done it in this order, bringing on our conversation partner first, we have <laughs> David Agronoff. David is a novelist, screenwriter, and horror and science fiction critic. He's the award-nominated author of 11 books, including the novels um, The Last Night to Kill Nazis and Punk Rock Ghost Story. David co-hosts the Dickheads podcast, podcast, a deep dive into the work of Philip K. Dick. His nonfiction essays have appeared on Tor.com, Neotext, and Cemetery Dance. And he just finished writing a book, The Un- Unfinished PKD, on the unpublished fragments and outlines of Philip K. Dick. Yeah, that's not out yet. It's just finished. <laughs> Ooh la la. And so then, men of the hour that were also like that, you could say that. They're here, here. Like, and I always feel weird being like, well, it's not really about you. But <laughs> it's tonight, not. I'm so sorry. It's not about me tonight. <laughs> so tonight, we are here to celebrate Shane Hawk and enrolled Cheyenne Arapo, Hidatsa, and Potawatomi oh, descendant. Almost. No, it's okay. Potawatomi. Potawatomi. That's okay. Okay, Potawatomi descendant. She is a history teacher by day and a horror writer by night. He entered the horror scene with his first publication, Anoka, a collection of indigenous horror, in October 2020. And then he lives in San Diego with his beautiful wife, Tori. <laughs> you can find more about him by visiting shanehop.com. But they're going to talk about this incredible collection of stories, um, the process, whatever they feel like honestly, uh, for a while, and then we'll do a Q&A. We'll have um, about half an hour in, space for a Q&A, and then a signing one, so you can come up, get your book signed, chat, tell people, tell Shane how, how much you love the book, anything, you know, all of those options, but because you're so excited for me to get out of your face, <laughs> I want a round of applause for these two wonderful speakers tonight. Um, so we're here to celebrate a truly awesome book. Um, it's one that I have been following the process of the creation of for a very long time because Shane and I became friends through dickheads because he is a dickhead. He is a Philip K. dickhead. And, um, and, uh, he has been on the dickheads podcast before. Um, and, uh, this 
will be recorded for my other podcast, uh, Postcards from a Dying World. So you, if you really enjoy the conversation, you can go back and listen to it again. Um, so I'm recording this up here. So speak loud when you ask your questions. Um, now, this book comments on colonization, um, sexual and gender identity roles, it, um, generational gaps, monsters, ghosts, um, and lore. And all of this in an amazing package with a with an awesome cover and something that we can proudly say is that this book is now an international bestseller because it's a bestseller both here and in canada for how many weeks now shane uh four four weeks maybe five next week maybe five next week um so we're really happy and proud to celebrate that um, and the fact that it's one person from our San Diego horror community who is one of the two instrumental people in doing this book means that we had the opportunity to talk about the origins of this book. And um, I'm really excited to be the person. I was very honored that Shane asked me to kind of guide this conversation. So I will admit I have notes to make sure I don't miss things. Um, but for the most part, um, you know, I just... I'm so honored to be here with the gifted author of Anoka, which if you haven't read Shane's own short story collection, is short, six stories. It's it's really incredible, and it, it was a, a really awesome debut for an author. So, Shane, tell us your horror origin. Like, you know, why are you sitting up here uh, promoting a horror book? Like, how did this start? Man. Uh... My first memory uh, being alive is Halloween. Um, the season is here. <laughs> yes. Yeah, spooky season. Yeah, um, I've always been, I don't know, attracted to weird things, to not not my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she's, Careful. She's weird sometimes, but... <laughs> of, uh, you know, uh, of horror, of... Um, Things that are spooky, dark, you know, um, <laughs> and uh, I didn't really start reading um, a whole ton until 2016. Um, I made a lot of life changes in 2016, and I kind of fell back in love with reading. Um, I only read a little bit as a kid, um, and you know the typical goosebumps. Um, I think I started a Stephen King book and quit. Um, just because it was so thick and that's, you know, um, I don't know, too big for a kid at the time. Uh, I always loved horror movies. Um, I've always been loving that thrill of the unknown, of um, things jumping out at you. Um, and I really only got into horror fiction itself in 2017, I believe, um, which I don't have this cool backstory of oh, I grew up with King, I grew up with these big doorstopper novels and, um, you know, horrors in my blood. Um, I came at it mostly from TV and movies and, um, you know, loving Halloween, loving costumes. And really what got me into it was slowly but surely uh, Bradbury, and then I went into Poe, and then I went into um, uh, a lot of literary horror uh, authors like Michael Wehunt, um, Brian Evanson, and then I just kept going and going, and then I just fell in love. Um, the reason I became a horror author in itself was Stephen Graham Jones, who wrote the introduction here. Um, 
you might know who he is by now, hopefully. <laughs> um, Maybe some of you were in this room with us when he was here. Yeah, that yeah. was fun. Um, I read his book, Mongrels, and that blew me away in 2017. And then in 2019, I read um, Mapping the Interior, which is um, a novella. And that's the one that really pushed me to say, hey, maybe I can take a stab at this. Maybe I can be a writer. Maybe not at his level, maybe ever. <laughs> um, I, the, the short form really attracted me. Like, it wasn't as ambitious as a, you know, 800-page, you know, Joe Hill novel. Um, but it really pushed me. And then I became a teacher uh, throughout the pandemic. And so I teach up in uh, Escondido now. And I had to put that on hold to enter the teaching credential because it was so much work. Uh, and then something struck me in 2020 when we had all that free time. And I, I wrote Anoka, which is um, just six stories, very short. Didn't know what I was doing at all. Um, and so looking back on that, it's very, uh, you know, be kind when you read it. <laughs> very amateurish. But uh, it was a good time. I thought it was great. <laughs> appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I just got really involved in the horror community um, online mostly because we're all kind of spread out everywhere. Um, How important was Stephen being Native American, you know, and having Native American roots? How, how important was that to inspiring you to, to, to do this? Uh, it was pretty central. Um, I had read Tommy Orange in 2016. Uh, they're there, and he's of my same tribe. Uh, we joke around that we're brothers. He's in the book. Yeah, yes. he's in the book also. Um, if you don't know who he is, uh, if you ever read literary, um, there, there's an amazing novel. He was a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize. Um, but uh, I don't know, at that time when I read him, I was like, this is way above my pay grade. I can never do this. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, getting into the short form horror, um, Stephen seeing that he's Blackfeet, seeing that, you know, um, Tor published that one and just it's only I think it's 100 pages or so yeah pretty short it's it, it's very Philip K. Dick influenced and yeah S Stephen's a big dickhead as well he's been on on dickheads yeah. as well I think his favorite is Vallis most days no he's a he, he's he switches a, he's a Ubik guy he was on our our Ubik episode he switched but... to Vallis oh did he yeah. okay well he asked <laughs> to be on Ubik <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my favorite Ubik um but yeah, seeing a Blackfeet author um, and doing horror instead of just um, literary, which uh, most indigenous people are kind of known for literary works um, and not genre as much, um, I really got pushed into, you know, wanting to maybe write dark stuff and yeah. taking my stab at it. And now it's weird, like, he wrote the introduction. Um, I've had dinner with him with my wife here. I'm the editor of um, Tor Nightfire. Um, I have his number. I text him sometimes <laughs> just to ask him questions, and uh, it's very—it's been a very interesting journey. Um, well, yeah. I know you're young blood to horror, but there's also Al going back who yeah. um, won the Bram Stoker Award years ago for um, for uh, Crota, which is is a fantastic, um, you know, Native American um, themed. Uh, horror novel and and owl like went through uh facebook didn't 
accept that his name was real and he couldn't get on Facebook for years and he used to at horror conventions people used to think he was cosplaying um and went through you know and and a lot of times I think about like you know um you know I've seen Owl comment about your book and about how amazing it is for him to see that this book exists and it's it's really cool to see how much things have progressed since like even when he was you know on the stoker yes in the last i would say five years or more it's really been two names in indigenous horror it's steven and owl and so that's kind of why we that's one of the reasons why we tried to push this out into the world before it was even a book yet Um, when i was writing the proposal was um there's not enough representation there's they even had a study, I believe it was from 2019, of, you know, broken down by demographics and Native American authors, not even authors, just any Native American from publishers, editors, all the way down, um, is less than 1%. And now it's 2019. And someone on Twitter, I don't know her methodologies, um, but I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, but she, uh, for a whole year, she said she um, studied Publishers Marketplace and looked at all the brand new deals that are published and so this is just a stat for the writers but um i think we inched up like maybe 0.2 percent so it's one full percent now uh for writers but um yeah the success of a book like this can can really make a difference because a lot of us are going to be adding books to our want to read lists on goodreads i know i added like probably 16 17 books Mm -hmm. Um, while I was reading it, you know, these are, you know, books I fully intend to read. Yeah. And Owl, um, we actually invited him to be in it and he sent me a story and we were kind of doing a lot of going back and forth because, um, he was suffering from some health issues and he's getting a little older and, um, his computer was breaking and stuff. And we actually really wanted him in this thing, um, but just didn't really work out. And then he kind of pulled out. Uh, closer to like the final manuscript coming out and he said "Uh, I don't think my story's up to snuff everyone's going to be reading this thing and I don't feel like I'm not proud enough of this piece so I was like oh come on yeah I'm sure it was great right yeah I I still have it um but maybe he'll publish it somewhere else but yeah hopefully um yeah we're pushing for volume two so I can come back (laughs) yeah and his book is out there uh Crota and um he also won the Stoker for Coyote Rage, and mm. um, but he has like six books out, and they're all they're all great, they're fantastic. Like um, I have every single one of them, so they're he's awesome. So yeah. like the reasons for this book are obvious. You've already kind of stated like you know that representation, but how do you start a, a process like this? Because you know I've only edited one anthology, but um, and it's funny because. When you put out a, a call out, I don't know if you did a call out because the problem is when you put a call out, you get a bazillion people wanting to be in there. And I'm sure everyone was going to have some interesting heritage that they were going to try to come at you with uh, for this. So you had to have a different process for this, right? Uh, slightly. Um, yeah, so the tough part was, uh, you know, when we were writing the proposal, a big part of it was we want half of it or as much as we can get to that 50% mark of um, emerging authors, authors that aren't well-known. We even have a, a story in here that's one of my favorites from um, someone who's never been published before. So if you come across a story called Hunger by Phoenix Boudreaux, she's 
she's never been published before. It's oh, a very um, good one too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the process, it was kind of, uh, it was pretty challenging. Um, Penguin, I forget which law it is, but because we're operating with two, Im- uh, three imprints actually across the colonial border up there, there's a, there's like a law that they can't help us with, because uh, we're paying people obviously for the stories and there's like some prize law so they had no input no they couldn't touch the open call portion which is half of the book and it was kind of a wild story um that's really interesting yeah leading up to uh announcement day which was supposed to be july 26 2021 um we're waiting around we're looking at our email inboxes you know when's the announcement coming it's supposed to be today like i've been waiting for this and um uh, it kind of ended up being, oh, there's some miscommunication, and uh, we don't have the Submittable account. Submittable is a very big platform for uh, basically taking in submissions, um, and they expected us to have one, and I don't know why they thought that, because it's $10,000 to have one. Um, uh, so it was a little weird. Uh, maybe <laughs> uh, delete that from the podcast. Um <laughs> No, but so it was, it was very challenging. Uh, I had to last minute set up a Google form uh, to take in things, and I was very not happy with that. Um, it was like a you know six-figure deal, global deal, and we're using a Google form. I use that when I'm teaching. Um, I don't know, I didn't <laughs> like it, so I had to read. Uh, welcome to publishing, Shane. <laughs> yeah, <You> gotta... <laughs> it's been a learning process the entire time. Um, so I spent like eight hours on my website on the back end, like coding. Um, this process where people can visit a certain website, uh, a web page, and then upload everything. And that upload would go to my email, and then it'd be automatically categorized. It took me eight hours, but I pulled it off. And so once it was July 27th, um, that's when we finally announced. And um, yeah, they can finally go to shanehawk.com slash submit. So that was the big thing. I wanted a URL that people could use, not a, like a docs.google.com slash pl4 you know right um so that was a big deal and uh taking all the submissions um like you said kind of questionable heritage stuff aside well i mean i the anthology that i edited was was punk rock horror and it's funny because i had people sending in stories i'm like you've never heard punk rock in your life Right. So and, and I hate to make this. A, 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 it's not the same, but I'm sure you had probably some funny stories of like reading stories that you're like, come on, man. Or yeah. come on, person. Like, <laughs> yeah. what is this? You know, like, I'm sure you got some funny ones. Yeah. You don't have to tell us the names, but, you know. No. Yeah. We got quite <laughs> a few stories um, from people that aren't indigenous. And I'm like, did you read the guidelines? So a lot of editors I was talking to behind the scenes, they're like, yeah, no one reads the guidelines. You just got to get used to it. You'll get trunk stories that are, you know, 8,000 words long. You'll get yeah. um, people that don't really fit it. You'll get a sci-fi story when you're asking for horror, um, things like that. Um, yes, that is very common. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of people DMing me, asking me, like, for me to do work for them to get the submission. Like, oh, can you send me the guidelines and uh, do all this? I'm like, no. What? <laughs> no, I can't. Um, and, <laughs> yeah, those people were not indigenous at all. And I was like, ah. uh, it was a tough process in that 
we required self-identification. And if you know anything about indigenous politics, uh, it's very tough. Um, well, it's and, still rocky. Yeah, and there's stories in this anthology that touch on that, which we'll get to. Yeah, in a little bit. But um, I admit, besides Stephen Graham Jones and Rebecca Roanhorse, there was that these were the only two authors I had read before. So um, I think in part that's mission accomplished, right? You yeah. know that um, you know there's there's some that I I feel ashamed I didn't know. <laughs> right, oh, okay. I mean, but uh, but you know you're you're learning lots of uh, new authors, you know, and that's really great. Yeah. So, um, can you tell me about the process of working with Stephen to do the forward? That was, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I originally saw him giving us a story, um, but you know, as he is, he does a million things. He's in TV, is in movies right now, and you know, all this stuff. Um, and that was the same case back in 2021 when we asked him. And he's like, uh, this is back when, you know, we didn't know it was going to be Big Five. We didn't know it was going to be Vintage Books and Penguin and all this stuff. We just thought our initial thing was Kickstarter. You know, we don't know what we're doing. We don't have money to fund this. So it was literally going to be a Kickstarter indie book. Um, that was the plan. And then, you know, I talked to Shri Demoline, who I got in here. Her agent said, hey, do you have representation? Oh, you don't? I'll be that. I'm your agent now. Uh, <laughs> and that's how that went. It's always that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot from people, too. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, I forgot where I, was, where I was going with that. With Steven. Oh, with Steven, yeah, yeah. Uh, so back then, when it was going to be a Kickstarter thing, he was, like, looking at me like this guy. Like, who is this guy? Uh, he was like, yeah, I mean, I could... How about we run a reprint of uh, Brush Dogs? And I was like, I love that story. But we want original works. All of these are original. They've never been published before. So I was like, yeah, Steven, that's not going to work for us. Uh, and he's like, hey. Bold. Uh, I know. Bold. <laughs> uh, we kid around. But um, <laughs> but I was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not going to really work. It's not, it doesn't fit the, the mission that we have. And then he said, okay. Maybe the next best thing I could do is write the pen the forward, pen the introduction. I was like, all right, let's go. And um, so working with him, uh, if you've read the forward yet, um, it's Stephen's style. It's as if he's sitting there in the room with you, just saying it. Uh, he speaks, you know, he writes in the oral tradition, um, and it's just as if he's, you know, around a campfire with you, just sharing whatever he wants. Uh, it's a very beautiful forward far forward um but he actually he turned it in like really early <laughs> yeah we're shocked because he's so busy you know uh but he could write a mile a minute and um i think he even dated it the day after christmas and he was like on an airplane he's like oh i just wrote, wrote this when i was flying over the midwest um he did <laughs> just did it real quick and i think we only edited like one comma <laughs> and it was the cleanest piece we ever worked with um and he sent that right away uh we collect so we the open call was basically from the 27th of july 2021 to november 1st and that's when we had all the stories that's when we started kind of going down into a long list and then a short list and then so like mid to late november that's when i gathered the stories into a um i have a kindle publishing app on my computer that i just made a quick ebook and um Send it to him because he reads a lot with his Kindle. 
and I was like, hey, can you read these stories? Um, kind of base your forward off of that. And he's like, all right, I got you. And then I think he <laughs> read all of those on the plane and then wrote the forward. Um, and he sent it back, and it was incredible. I got this quote from it. Uh, it's kind of what we want, really. And sure, the anthropologists and social scientists and literary critics can all shrug and say maybe we like stories that function like that because they mean our story, the story of us in what's for the moment called America hasn't quite progressed all the way through yet, hasn't completed. Things can happen. This place can be ours again. Why not? And uh, this idea of what is America, I think, is one of the, you know, kind of things he was trying to, to say. And it really set the tone for the anthology really, really well. So um, it actually ended up, I mean, I was kind of like, oh, we don't get a Stephen Graham Jones story, but we get a forward. It's really great. It sets the tone. So you had <laughs> yeah. to be stoked. Right. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I kind of watch the Goodreads page. I like to look at all the things that people say. And a lot of them have oh, said, dangerous. I'm so, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, luckily it's mostly not my work. So it's like, okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. But I like to keep it's my It's really own. hard when it's your own work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, oh shoot, I lost it again. I'm looking at the Goodreads page. <laughs> the Goodreads page, yeah. So a lot of people have noted that um, reading Stevens Forward has really put it, uh, set it up because they kind of have this expectation that, okay, maybe not all the stories have a polished, uh, you know, Western canon uh, closure for a second, third act. And, you know, a lot of indigenous storytelling is, you know, maybe first act, second act, half a third and then hey you fill in the rest the story is yours now it's in your brain um it's gonna needle its way into um your life and a lot of the stories do uh once you get to it i still think about a lot of them and i read all of these in 2021 and then again just recently right the audiobook um but yeah yeah not every horror story has to leave you with a with a Rod Serling shebang, you know, like, um, and so let's talk about the opening story, Matilda Zeller, um, and this, uh, Kashuka, Kashuka, yeah, which is a a Pacific Northwest lore shapeshifter character. Um, now why did you choose this story to open the anthology? Because that's a really important role, um, kicking things off. Uh, I don't know, we thought the story had kind of a piece of everything. It had um, it had a monster that people kind of expect. It kind of kicks things off in a certain way. Um, you can't really open an anthology with 26 stories with kind of a slow burner. You can't start with an extremely crazy one. Um, so we thought it was kind of a... Not middle of the road, but uh, kind of had a lot of elements that people seek in like a dark fiction horror book. And... Uh, it's very much based on a true story of her family lore and that's something I really loved yeah and one uh, pro tip uh, when you're editing an anthology put uh, never put a long story first always put a short very very short story which which you did yeah um, and that's good because like people if they if you get too long of a piece then people come on yeah. but if you get a first one and then you get like a whole experience right away it's very good for people so I appreciated that you did that. Um, this is this is a really fantastic story, and I did like the personal lore. So you could feel 
that it was a, a story that connected to her. Now you and yeah. Theo had to work together on the, that. Must have been great to have like a, a partner and yeah. so you could t- discuss all these things like where you're gonna put this story, where you're gonna put that story, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's helpful that Ted has so much um, experience. You know, who am I? I'm just I wrote a note, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but he's had years of you know. Uh, you know, being guest editor of lit magazines, and he's been writing for much longer than me. Um, and he's been to native lit conferences. He knows kind of um, a lot of the lit world. And so it was really helpful to have him as a partner and, um, you know, constantly having Zooms or FaceTime calls or um, whatever, just kind of like literally going through the process almost every day, texting. It was just constant, never ended. So especially the stories that we read, we would kind of like read them and then just kind of sit with them and see which ones we're still thinking about the week later, mm-hmm. two weeks or three weeks. And then that's kind of how we kind of started whittling it down. Um, we had to also say no to some awesome, amazing stories because there's only so much. And uh, I just wanted to point out that when I wrote the proposal, uh, I was kind of like, are big five people going to be okay with a lot of no names? I mean, that's a kind of a rude way to say it, I guess, but yeah. emerging um, authors. Um, that's, that's a how, little that's better they, than no name. but I yeah. know, but that's that's how they talk on the phone. Yes, uh, exactly. That's how yeah. they talk to us. It's like, oh, okay. Um, that's what they call us. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the original vision was actually seven, and I was trying to, like, kind of push it up. Um, and then the first phone call we had, I won't say which publisher, very big publisher. <laughs> um, you guys all know it. But um, <laughs> he was like, uh, seven? Let's, how about one? How about one? Oh my yeah. God. These uh, emergent, yeah, we don't cut all those, uh, make it much shorter. We've had this anthol- this other anthology that's huge. It, it tanked. I was like, okay, this is not a good first phone call. <laughs> no. And it's a very, it's a very big five uh, publisher. Well, they've had four weeks to look at you on the bestseller list the last yeah, couple of weeks. Yeah, I got a so. kind of apologetic email the other day. <laughs> I bet you did. <laughs> um, so it kind of felt good. But, uh, yeah, so we kind of, like, pushed seven. Like, oh, seven, what if it's, you know, maybe more? I don't know. Um, but Anna Kaufman at Vintage Books, so that's the U.S. side of the um, deal that we have. Um, on the phone call that I took with her and Ted, she op- she kind of ended with the phone call like wait wait I was looking at the proposal again. She also kind of like made me blush because she said that's the best short proposal I've ever read in my life and I was like, wow okay. Uh, awesome. I was like uh, I was actually substitute teaching at a school down the street from me now, and um, I kind of like froze in the conference room. I was like what that's crazy, um, and she ended with seven. What if, you know, we get a lot of cool stories and it's eight, nine, or more? And that's kind of like one of the main things where we're like, Anna's cool. That's when we, you go, we've got a deal. We, yeah. We like you Anna. Gotta, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we ended up with 12. Um, so there's 12 people from the open call, um, some with book deals now. Uh, one that I won't mention because they don't want to announce it yet. But uh, because of this, they have uh, an agent now about to announce uh a lot of them are signing book deals pretty cool not all of it's from us you know some of them have been noticed and it's pretty awesome but so yeah we have 12 open callers and 12 established names and then me and ted 
but uh, so 26, and we're really proud that we had so many people in it, <laughs> especially people that we could help grow their careers. That's really cool. A lot of them are getting awesome opportunities now. So now you and Ted, I, I said Theo, but you corrected me, Ted. People call him Theo too. Yeah, okay. Well, so you guys must have started to see themes happening accidentally when, when the story started coming in. What kinds of themes did, did you find, and did that um, influence the way that you ordered the stories? Um, not in particular for the story order, um, but we, of course, noticed the themes – and I think the themes are maybe more noticeable to outsiders. Um, right. Like pretty much most native authors that you read, there's kind of a through line from real life to the page. Uh, you know, colonialism, uh, all the systems in place, uh, racism. It's kind of like they're every day. I mean, I see it every day on Twitter. It's crazy. Um, and. We noticed a lot of themes about that, about identity, um, especially in Nick Medina's Quantum. Uh, that's a story that I think about almost every day. Um, that and Rebecca Rowan Horse's White Hills. White Hills, yeah. Yeah, I think they 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 match really well together. And, and yeah. I I was really excited to see Rebecca Rowan Horse in here. I I absolutely love her her fantasy novel Black Sun. Black Sun. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it's very. I'm good. sure it's over here somewhere. So. Yeah. Go pick it up. Um, <laughs> But uh, those ones, I, I thought the, the ideas of exploring blood quantum was, you know, really important. Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, you know, um, being a person and having a, you know, a card in your pocket that has a, a fraction on it of who you are. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, yeah, and, and it's, it's really powerful in those two stories in particular, in very different ways. Yeah. Uh, the stories within stories is another theme. Mm-hmm. That, um, I, Richard I think, Van Camp and yeah. Darcy Little Badger. Um, I think the most powerful story in here, the one that kind of broke my heart the most, is Before I Go by yeah, Norris Black. Norris Black. Was, um, th- yeah, that one, that one kind of broke me a little bit, so... Yeah. Uh, mission accomplished. Um, it was also one of the open call stories that I read, uh, the first pass, and I got goosebumps. Like that hadn't yeah. happened, and there's just one particular scene where I was like, oh, uh, I need yeah. to check the box yes on that one right away. I need that one. Yeah, <laughs> I need that story. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that happened for me. Um, discovering um, uh, Cody Goodfellow, who's who was here with me for the last event, um, like when, in a submission when I read one of his stories and now we've been friends for like 15 years, but the very first time I ever read one of his works, I was just like, God damn, who is this guy? He's a <laughs> local. <laughs> yeah, he's a brilliant guy. Yeah. And so when you read the story, you had that experience with the, yeah, the Norris Black story is very, very powerful. So emerging, emerging writer. Yeah. Yeah. Norris Black. Yeah. That I one. I think he's only had, um, Maybe a couple of short stories published. One of them, for sure, in uh, Apex magazine, and he's building his career. It's it's all cool to see. You know, we started this back in 2021, and you know it's two years later now. But a lot of them have stuff in the works, uh, whether announced or not. <laughs> now there's a story in here uh, by this guy. It is called Behind Colin's Eyes by this dude. I think it's <laughs> Shane. 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 Oh, Sean. Sean Hawk. Yeah. It was Sean Hawk, right? <laughs> Can you tell me about this story? Because uh, th- I think this guy's going places. <laughs> Thank you. 
Uh, yeah, that was a fun story to write. Um, was that written for Anoka, or did you write it for this one? I wrote it for this one, actually. I wrote okay. um, I wrote pretty much 90% of a story. I wanted to respect the open call window and write alongside the other writers. I didn't want to have a chunk story already kind of set. I kind of wanted to start something fresh. Did you guys blind submit to each other in there? Because some anthologists do. Or blind like to Ted like me? well yeah to did you send it to ted first or like yeah I yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah well i mean Please sometimes people <laughs> like if they're in an anthology they'll blind submit to the other editors but mm-hmm. you know but so so in the process of writing this you 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 worked on this story for this anthology though. yeah yeah so i actually wrote a different story in that window of the open call and then um around uh, late November, I had a call with my uh, grandma hawk, and we were talking about the book and talking about the story I chose to write. And then um, she kind of hinted at me maybe not telling that story, and I wanted to respect her. Um, so then I just kind of shelved that for like personal stuff. Uh, so then I was scrambling, I was scared because it was into Christmas season, and I was like. Uh, we have to have the manuscript pretty much ready by January. What do I do? <laughs> and so I wrote Behind Colin's Eyes, um, I don't know, over a period of a week or so. And then I was sending uh, Tori all the edits and stuff, and she was helping me with it. <laughs> um, and it's basically a story uh, based on family lore from my dad um, when he was living in Utah, uh, northeastern Utah. And all the place names are true to real life. And uh, it's basically a hunting story with his dad, my grandpa Hawk. And I kind of wanted it to be like a time capsule for my dad. Um, because and Grandma was okay with this one. Yeah. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, and it's kind of a blending of all these stories that my dad has told me about living out there because it's very weird. And actually, like a month ago, um, I forget which platform put it out or which uh, publisher, but there was like a big article on that specific town that my dad lived in, Tridel, Utah, about UFOs, about Bigfoot, about all these different things. And um, a very strange area uh, with a lot of sightings of different things. And so I wanted to write the story kind of, uh, I don't know, in a way to, I don't know, pay, uh, I don't know, respect to my dad and his dad uh, to, because I know he misses him, you know, a whole ton, and uh, he regrets all the time that he didn't have with him, and I thought maybe writing this story might be a cool way to, like, live forever for him. He could kind of, like, delve into the story whenever he wants. Uh, And then a lot of the supernatural stuff is a mixture of truth and uh, (laughs) fiction. As it often is. Yeah, so the, the reader has to figure it out what's kind of real or not uh but i wanted a story that both had some kind of psychological horror mixed with kind of pkd-ish stuff uh and while there's a lot of horror there's also uh kind of a, another thread of like i don't know like love and joy between a father and son even though they're in a horrific moment in a horrific kind of situation uh because there's not a lot of depictions of that 
So I wanted to kind of put that in there as well. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good story. Thanks. And uh, on that note, um, I've got I've exhausted my notes. So what did I miss? And do you have any questions for for this guy that I that I woefully missed? You could ask me anything. I don't know a lot, but. What's your favorite horror movie to come out after the year 2000? Oh, man. Uh, oh, man. Hereditary. 2018. That's a good one. I really need to rewatch it, but I have to do it alone. <laughs> What's yours? That's pretty horrific. That's horrible. I haven't seen that one yet. That's, yeah. I'm saving it for a rainy day. I'm uh, a yeah. defender of expanding the, the the definitions of horror. I think that one fits. Yeah. yeah. What about before the year 2000? <laughs> oh, that's a little easier, isn't it? Yeah. The thing. For me personally, I love that movie. Maybe a bit too much. Yeah. What's your next writing project? Oh, ooh, uh, yeah. Writing my debut novel right now, which uh, it's tough because of teaching and because of what's called induction with teaching, <laughs> a lot of homework. Um, but then I also just got contacted by a producer, and so it's sort of being pushed to the back burner, and now I'm like writing a screenplay. So we'll see, because Hollywood's like this, especially with strikes and. Who knows? I'll try to get something done. I've been encouraging Shane to wake up at five in the morning like I do and write. So <laughs> you can, you guys can all add into that, like get up at five and write. Five thirty. Five thirty. Yeah, because uh, all of them resonate with me to some level. Um, there's not a story in there that I don't like, uh, but there are ones that you know are more favorited by Ted, more favored by me, and we both try to step it back, uh, take a step back, and say, you know, the the landscape of readers is so expansive. Um, what are people out there going to like that you know we don't have to selfishly you know, just pick the ones that we personally like. What are ones that, you know, we like, we, you know, really enjoy, but would it even more appeal to other people? And so we kind of really had to think about that. I could be selfish and just pick the ones I like, though. Yeah. Maybe I'll need to. I just finished reading a, a book that, um, and I was telling uh, Rob about I thought it was a five-star idea and a three-star execution, and um, and it's funny because I I I really enjoyed the book and I read it in like two and a half days. So I've been already thinking about how I'm going to write the review because you can have an experience with a story where like yeah I know this is good right, but maybe it didn't affect me. And then did you have any like go back and forth with the authors on like you know we're almost there, but let's work on this did you do yeah. that with any of the authors so yeah i mean uh um tiffany morris's uh story night in the chrysalis 
the first version was basically uh, a prose poem, and I really liked it. And so much so that I knew that she was going to be a writer, you know, actually trying to build a career. So that, like, really hit me in the back of the head. Like, you know, when making choices to... Because it's, it's weird. You're kind of a gatekeeper. You don't You're not kind of. <laughs> you were a gatekeeper. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so we had to also make choices like that where you're like, okay, maybe we could work with this person because they really truly want to build a career and not just do like a one story and like disappear like not want to you know try again i knew you know i still know that tiff you know has a lot of things going on and so i went back with her i was like i I don't know if i want to you know a poem in the thing it would kind of mess up the flow a little bit she writes beautifully if you've read her work um, there's a couple very surreal prose poemy type stories in there and they're very good true but they're well written. i guess but hers... they 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 have narrative threads so yeah yeah i mean hers was mostly i mean even in kind of stanza form almost um yeah but we kind of wanted to avoid that just because it would kind of like maybe pull readers out like oh a poem i a lot of people have mixed feelings about poetry um and this is me like looking at Goodreads and like paying attention to what people say. Um, <laughs> so I was like, ah. Uh... So I went back and forth with her. I was like, can you expand this into like a, you know, true short story kind of like? I love all the elements you have here. Super spooky, like uh, creeps me out. Can you like expand this more? Because it was very short. I think the the poem was only uh, like maybe 1,200 words, and we were asking for I think three to five. And I was like, I really love this, um, and I love your style, but can we expand this? And we're going back and forth. Um, and that was before we kind of shipped it out to um, Anna Kaufman, who's the, the real editor. Um, <laughs> but we were going back and forth, emails and emails. I was like, oh, yeah, this is like almost there. Can you really like work on this? Um, and it's like one of my favorite stories in it now. <laughs> yeah, um, well, and you, you end up learning by, you know, you're a teacher. Yeah. You learn by teaching, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And you guys, we're both teachers, and it's a Friday night. You're, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, um, any other questions? Rob, in the back. <laughs> First time, long time. I haven't read the book yet, but just um, reading the description, it talks about different indigenous groups that have their own like, unique folklore and different like, takes on like, mm-hmm. whistling or different you know, um, figures and when you were selecting the stories, um, was there sort of a conscious effort to sort of like have stories that tackle like major sort of folkloric characters or um, creatures or you know that that you were looking for? Uh, not in particular. Um, that's one thing I've been noticing from uh, early reviews is a lot of people open up the book and think it's like we all just write about folklore. We all just write about this esoteric Indian stuff and a lot of the the stories are like you know contemporary stories uh or you know the the folklore is like we wove (sighs) woven in it's late night uh and we weren't like particularly looking for any certain creatures um from any different nations um I did kind of want a Bigfoot story it's not in there I'm sorry (laughs) uh uh, the story I did write first was a Bigfoot story. Um, but 
And it should be noted too that the first sixty pages are all is are stories by women, and um, there's a lot of Canadian authors too, which mm-hmm. is is really cool. So yeah, it's uh, at this level, it's never been done before, and we were doing a lot of market research, and it really hasn't been done at the lower levels either, uh, where indigenous tribes down here, nations down here, collaborating with nations up there, and it's all kind of collected in one work hasn't really been done before um it's like this it's like as if that border kind of like stops us from collaborating somehow and like separating us and like we're all kind of you know within here it's like every other page I think yeah. there's like six canadian authors um that's, that's it the, it felt like more when i was reading it but i believe about yeah. six yeah. yeah um but yeah as for you know creatures and stuff i would have also loved a story about star people uh, maybe volume two if it happens. Um, but yeah, when we were picking stories, it was a lot of factors that you hear that writers out there. Yeah, exactly. There's <laughs> a lot of things that sharpen up your take into story. consideration. Um, you know, genders, uh, orientations, uh, regions where people, um, their nations are from, uh, border border, um, you know, style, uh, tone a lot of factors that we really took into account um as for creatures we didn't really uh pay too much attention to that um but maybe the next one can be like exclusively monsters i don't know could be fun that's an interesting (laughs) idea yeah all right last questions this is your last chance you're never gonna get to ask another question again yeah (laughs) you'll be back all right i'm on twitter so (laughs) <laughs> and by the way shane's told me what his novel is about and it's really sounds great yeah so i'm really looking forward to it i actually don't want him to write the screenplay i want him to write the novel <laughs> <laughs> i know the screenplay is worth more money but i i want him to write the novel but and i'm sorry i feel like i just want to say this really quickly because i didn't sell the novel well enough but it's the last night of World War II with a vampire. So if you like vampires and hate Nazis, I've got the book for you. The last night to kill Nazis. So. Everyone? I hope so. We hope. Yeah, you'd think so, but no. Yeah. I wish that were an assumed thing that we yeah. all knew. But, uh, and I think there's only three copies left here, so, you know, you could be the one. So, and uh, Shane, thank you for inviting me. This was a, a big honor. And, Thanks for talking um, with me. Yeah, and uh, well, this will be up on my podcast feed and um, in a week or two. But uh, as long as the recording turned out okay, otherwise <laughs> I might be getting you on Zoom to say it all again. I'm down for that too. <laughs> uh, and thanks for coming tonight. Um, a book event yeah, on a Friday you. night. Um, it means a lot. Every uh, person that shows up it really means a lot to authors because you know. Uh, we know uh, books are not the most uh, popular entertainment in the world, and we are thankful to Mysterious Galaxies for Mysterious Galaxy. I always plural it. I don't know why. Um, I love having this bookstore in, in uh, bike riding distance from my house. Uh, it's dangerous, dangerous, dangerous thing, but there's lots of awesome books out there on the shelf, and um, you got Rob can help you with that horror section and uh, expand your reading. Um, and find some more of this stuff. So, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Recording in? Recording. No, come on.
Friday, but like <laughs> we can handle it. There was a lot happening. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for that conversation. Yeah. Truly so many things I would have had no idea were involved in the making of this book. Well hopefully one day we'll all get to find out. But wow, how exciting. We did the talking part and now you're gonna do the standing and talking part. And so if you would like to get your book signed and you already have it in hand, please feel free to start making a line over over on this side, over here. I'm going to ask Casey, actually, if, if you'd be able to stand here for a hot sec just yeah. so I can do that. You don't wait. I'm going to take a photo of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But we have pens. We have that. If you have your book in hand, do it. If you haven't gotten your book yet, what, what happened? Why? You've had weeks. Make sure we're number on uh, number week five, right? Week five. And it's like at an independent bookseller. Like that's also cool, right? We all agree. And Washington just do Post. It. And you forgot you forgot your copy at home before coming to this event. That's so wild. <laughs> Get it signed back there. You can buy one. And and anyway, all of this is to say we're so grateful to have been able to host this really awesome conversation, to actually come in, to do all of this, to hear about this whole this this whole book and hopefully it's the beginning of a move like the trendsetter which I don't know I kind of feel like it should be and will be there's like a lot moving there anyway you're all still sitting <laughs> and I know at least one of you wants a book signed at least I one. Oh yay yeah I want the picture too okay it, it's not for okay. actually I know, they're already no. signed. I could personalize <laughs> if anybody wants. Oh. Those are sick stickers. Yeah. So, make your way up. I'm going to say you probably don't need a postage to get your sign, right? Names are shared already between the two of you. I do call him Mr. Hawk. Oh, that's... Would you like another color? 